Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to quickly let you know that if you DM me the word audit on Instagram, that's at Ken Westgar, we'll do a quick 15-minute audit of your launch. And by the end of the audit, you'll know exactly where to put your focus in order to grow and scale your next launch. So like I said, DM me the word audit on Instagram, and I'll talk to you soon. Have you ever launched and got nothing but crickets? Or maybe you're on an emotional roller coaster of highs and lows. Well, it really doesn't matter. Hi, my name is Ken Westgar, and I help online coaches grow and scale their businesses with fun and simple money-making launches. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to run an online business and how you can bring back the fun and simplicity to your launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories highlighting the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success of being in launch mode to make sure you're comfortable and get ready to bench. Welcome to the Oh My God Unlaunching Podcast. Hello, hello, and thank you for listening to the Oh My God Unlaunching Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Westgar, and today I have Alisa with me, Alisa Connor. Welcome. Hey, Ken. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's an honor to have you. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about email marketing because that's kind of your thing, but you also do a lot of copywriting from what I gathered, and uh, so we're probably going to you know, get into some Twist, twists and turns uh, around all of that stuff. But I would love for you to just get started with um, telling us you know, who you are, who you help, and how you help people. Great. I'm Elisa Connor. I own a company called Elisa Connor Consulting. And I help entrepreneurs empower themselves with email marketing so that they can increase sales in the inbox without having to in, add more time and effort into their marketing. So that's what I do. And uh, what what I have found is that most businesses will chase after the 3% of buyers, 3% or less of buyers who are ready to buy right now. Mm-hmm. And you've got this huge proportion of people, 97% or more that either aren't ready to buy, they don't know that they need your product or service, or they're just starting out their search and haven't gotten far enough into like researching what they need that if we can stay in front of those people and stay consistent with our email marketing and make it interesting interesting and of value, we have a higher percentage of being able to convert them into whatever it is that we're trying to sell to them. Well, we'll definitely dive into this. and um, But I would love to hear a little bit about your journey, kind of from you know where you started out to where you're at now and how that, uh, how that happened. Okay. Well, my journey um, is long and bumpy. It's a long and bumpy road. Let's keep it short. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I started my career after graduating from college, working for a startup in marketing. And it was in the tech world. And we quickly got purchased by General Electric. And that pretty much flushed right down the toilet anything that I liked about the company that I worked for, because it was all red tape and Um, lots of corporate blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I really felt like I was a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. So I left corporate Um, while I was there. I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to go to culinary school. So when I left, I was actually a personal chef. And I did that for quite a while. I had another food business in between there. And then um, I also had three kids in three years. So the arrival of my twins kind of put a damper on being able to do a lot with my own business, but I still kept up my skills and um, I started my company originally under the name Ripple Effect Marketing and I was focused on social media and um, using social media for small business 
back in about 2009. So that was a relatively new concept to people. It's yeah. nothing like it is now. Um, and I was one of the first people in Colorado to get certified in social media marketing. And so that's where my business started. And then it quickly came to the realization that, yes, social media is great. But if you are trying to build a business there, you can get yourself into a world of trouble mm-hmm. um, because you don't own that real estate. And so that led me to the world, the world of um, web design and creating websites and partnering with people that did apps and then building out sales funnels and um, eventually to email marketing and all of the pieces that go into a sales funnel, lead generation and all of those components. So that's what I help people with now. I work specifically with coaches, consultants, and what I love to refer to as second to act entrepreneurs. They are the people that have had a full on career. They have the skills, they have the expertise, they have the knowledge, but they just don't know how to turn it into a paying gig that gets mm-hmm. them out of corporate. All right. So email marketing, I um, I don't know how you feel about that, but when we're going into launch and, you know, obviously there's a whole lot of different ways you do a launch. You can do a webinar challenge, uh, you know, whatever. But it feels like, you know, email marketing is always coming along for that ride. I mean, you can't, I'm not, I'm not going to say that you can't, do email marketing, but usually you tend to do that no matter what. Right. And so it's so funny because people get really pumped up for their launch and they usually do a really good job of email marketing um, when they're launching a product. (laughs) But where most people drop the ball is after the launch. And Mm -hmm. as I alluded to, like when you're going through a launch, you're only going to have a certain percentage of people that are going to convert. But what about the rest of those people? And so if you just drop the ball and then you're just emailing when you're ready to launch, guess who's mad? All the people on your list, they're like, oh, the only time I hear from Ken is when he's selling something. And more often than not, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Where what I have found with both clients and with myself is that the power really um, stays in your court if you stay in front of those people and you can actually have a bigger launch the next time you go around if you stay in contact with those people and kind of um, massage the relationship a little bit. And yeah. also it gives you such immense opportunity to get to know your ideal clients better, get to know what they want, and a lot of times when I work with, co- with coaches and consultants, is they, they have this grand idea of what they want to create, and then they go to launch it, and it's crickets. There's nobody there because they have no proven concept. They, nobody wants what they have to sell. And there is nothing more frustrating than putting all this time, energy, and money into creating something that nobody buys. But your email marketing gives you the opportunity to go in and say, hey, um, what do you think about this? Hit reply. And I I still reply to my email list every time that I get a response back. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, you have kind of like before launch, you have the launch and then you have after the launch. So before launch, I do think that a lot of people tend to think that, oh, I have to send out weekly emails. Oh, my God, what, what what's that going to look like? Do I have to like? come up with new stuff every single week and so how would you just even start thinking about nurturing that email list so there's a couple of things that i teach people and um in my online program on how to tackle that Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is you can repurpose a lot of the things you're already doing so for example you and i are recording this podcast 
And if I'm correct, you're not in the middle of a launch. So you could easily take this podcast information and say, hey, I have a really great resource for you on email marketing this week. I did this interview. And that is something that you would put out to your audience. Mm -hmm. But that question is very relative because it's something I get all the time. And I refer to it as blank screen syndrome where you just go and you sit down at your screen and there's nothing there and you don't know what to say. And so I want to empower people to assassinate that. So I actually put together a resource um, that gives you 365 email prompts that are just questions you can answer that get your brain going, get you creative. And so even if you don't want to send an email every single day, there's like prompts that'll probably last you the rest of your natural born life. (laughs) Yeah. So that you can create those. And then one of the things that I um, often work with clients on is sometimes we just get really busy in our business and we have, especially if you're preparing for a launch or you're trying to, you know, stay up on different things, doing podcast interviews, that sort of thing, is that if you can pound out those emails all in one swoop for the month, Mm -hmm. that really will help you. And once you're on a roll, sometimes it's easy to just keep writing and just get them all done. And usually you can get your four emails, like if you send one a week, done in less than an hour. And it just, sometimes it's the overwhelm of like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to put in there. I don't, it's just too much that oftentimes we stymie ourselves and keep ourselves from something that really isn't as hard as we make it. Yeah. And I, um, just in terms of, you know, coming up with ideas, that's one thing, but if you, I tend to like to think that if you start out with like, this is a topic that I want to talk about and you just kind of pull those up and then you can start, okay, oh, this is a topic. What are some main key points that I want to make sure that I get in there? So you come up with maybe, I don't know, three to five bullet points underneath each topic, you know, then you can start flushing out the rest of the oh, fill in the blanks kind of thing. I don't know. How do you feel about that concept? I, I didn't know that I've used it and I've, really benefit a lot from that just to get, kind of get started. Yeah, I think that's a really, and usually um, in your business, you're going to have three to five talking points that you normally talk about. And one of the things I heard recently was um, that we think we talk about things too much as entrepreneurs mm-hmm, yeah. because it's constantly on our mind. Mm-hmm. But in reality, our customers, if they're not repeating back to us what we say all the time, we're not saying it enough. And so just focusing on those three key areas is really great. But where I find people really struggle with their email is they try to make it really formal. Mm -hmm. And what people really want is like a letter that you would write to your mom Mm -hmm. or they want, they want it to be conversational. They want it to be interesting. And those are the successes that I'm seeing with my clients and with people that I work with and with my own email even is that when I have the conversation and I'm talking to them, like they're a person Versus really worrying about hitting those five key points, the re- the emails resonate so much more and the conversation starts to come back and forth, which is really the power of any marketing that you do, whether that's on social media or in your inbox or on a stage, wherever it may be that you're trying to put yourself out there, is when you can have the conversation and you get people talking back, you know you're hitting a hot button. And so, yes, definitely, you know, have those key areas that you can focus on. But more importantly, think about it from the perspective of the person that you want to help. And what are they saying to themselves? And how can you start a conversation that they'll go, oh, wow, that Ken knows what's happening up here. How does he know that? I'm going to pay attention now. 
And then one last thing is that one of the analogies I quite often use with people is that um, as entrepreneurs, we try to jam pack everything we know into one marketing mechanism. And your brain physically cannot respond to all of these different details. It's impossible. And so it's kind of like multitasking. Multitasking is a fallacy. People cannot do it. Your brain can only focus on one thing. And so I use the analogy that if you go to the grocery store and there's no plastic bags there, they only have paper bags, the old brown paper bags, and there's no carts because everybody else has them. And you're, the person checking you out is filling up your grocery bag and you've got one bag. You can probably manage that, get to the car, open the car, not a problem. But if they give you two, well, then, you know, you can probably do it, but you're getting a little off balance. You're like, how am I going to open the car door? And even with the automated, well, if they hand you three, forget about it. Something's going to fall. You're going to have a bag ripped in the parking lot. Your day is going to go downhill. And the same is true when we approach potential clients and clients is that if we give them one idea the opportunity that they're going to respond and that they're going to resonate with that is so much higher than if we hand them one, two, three, four, five ideas, concepts, steps, whatever it is, um, that you're going to see bigger success. And then one of the other things that I see in the inbox is that because people think they have to have all these steps, that they have to have these really long emails. Mm -hmm. Well, most people don't read all the read it. They don't have time. It's not because they're not that interested. It's because they're busy. They're distracted. The kids just spilled stuff all over the floor, whatever it might be. And so straight to the point in creating a conversation is going to get you better engagement and also make it so that when your inbox shows up, they're like, Hey, wait, there's Ken. I know he's got something cool to say. I'm going to open that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say what I've noticed personally is there's maybe just a handful of people that come into my inbox that I actually really sit down and read through the entire email. And it doesn't matter how long it is because the content that they are delivering is good and they have a tone that's, you know, playback, fun. It's not as formal as you said, you know. So I think it really is important in terms of how you are writing that email and what kind of tone you're setting with that email because it doesn't have to be that fun can be a little bit fun you can share a little bit about yourself you know just be yourself kind of a yeah. thing i agree absolutely and that's that's how you'll attract the people that are meant to be yours mm. and i think it's interesting that you said you know there's probably only a hand few of people that you read yeah. their emails and i don't think that's unusual i think that's the norm mm -hmm. but the key is becoming one of those people and I yeah. would bet those people that you look forward to have earned the right to your eyeballs mm -hmm. in one way or another, whether it was they provided value or they have interesting content or it's something that's um, relative to what's going on in your life right now. Mm -hmm. And that's really the goal of what I try to help people with when it comes yeah. to email. Now, obviously, one of the uh, hardest thing is to get people to just open the email, obviously, and the subject line is like alpha omega of getting people to open that email um, what kind of um, tips or tricks do you have for you know making people open those emails? 
So it's so funny. I actually have an entire talk that I do about creating scroll stopping headlines because <laughs> it's, it is, it's, um, but it's, it's so funny. The things that you wouldn't think of that seems so ironic really do work. Mm-hmm. And one is um, just asking a question, a non, like a uh, open-ended question. And I, I, a lot of times people will ask me when it comes to writing your headlines, like, should I write it first? Should I write it second? And I, my answer is always, it depends. Like usually I'll write a headline and then I'll create the content and I'm like, okay, well that headline doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people will also just write one headline and leave it at that. Whereas if you write multiple headlines, like I actually recommend writing 30 because it gets your brain and your creativity going and you will get more creative the more you write because your brain works that way. Like if you give it some freedom, it'll get more creative and people are like, how oh, 30 headlines, that's such a waste of time. But it's not because you may have five, six, seven headlines in those 30 that you can use over time. And then you can just stick them in an Excel spreadsheet or uh, Google sheet, whatever you use. And you've got one for later. And sometimes those headlines that you create will even create um, a a diving board or a jumping board for your future email content. So one is to create those open-ended questions. And sometimes people really struggle with that. So, um, you know, if you, if you can answer the, the question yourself with a yes or no, then you need to work on it a little bit more. Um, but if you were on my email list, you would get random emails that I like last week. Um, I think my headline was, are you having another manic Monday? And it was like a lot of times I use song lyrics, but it really, mm-hmm. if you can showcase your personality and then people get to know you, yeah. they're more likely to open your email. So one is to start with those questions Two, If you pulled up your phone right now and you looked at your email inbox, chances are you would just see a lot of black and white. It'd be a lot of black and white headlines. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you can quickly and easily do is add emojis, specifically not yellow, like red and just like get creative with your emojis because it makes it stand out right there and it will catch that person's eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I wouldn't go overboard because Google and the other spam people don't like that. And the same would go for like using um, different symbols and stuff. Like they really don't like that. And that really is a struggle. Like that's one of the other big things I hear is like, how do I get out of the spam box? How do I stay out of the spam box? And my first recommendation is be consistent with your email and train your subscribers to expect email from you. And to like, don't do scummy, slimy things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although it, they can, I mean, the inbox can find the strangest things put in the spam folder. I mean, I had, it was, it was a rather important email and I ended up finding it in the spam folder and okay, I put it back into the inbox, re- reply to the email. And what do you know? Even the next email got put in the spam folder. It was like, come on. I just I replied to the same person. It's like, yeah. why is this happening? So it's not always easy to, you know, make sure that you don't end up in there, but obviously do what you can for right. not and end it, up there. The irony is, is that, um, I recently had a client who needed access, needed to have somebody have access to her Google analytics and Google sent the email to this lady and guess where it ended up 
in the spam filter. So Google's like filtering its own emails into spam. So it's it's just sort of funny, but you, you do the best you can and everybody's inundated. And unfortunately, um, the not so great marketers have ruined a lot of the reputation <laughs> stuff for the people that really are trying to do good things. Yeah. And so you're always trying to kind of get around that, but really training your subscribers from the get-go to add you as a contact, making it really easy for them to find your emails, making it easy for them to confirm their subscription, those kinds of things do a lot to keep you out of there. Mm -hmm. But then once you're in the inbox, yeah, I mean, being yourself, being creative, thinking outside the box, like a lot of times when I'm looking at advertisements, um, I don't watch a ton of TV, but you know, maybe I would hear an ad on a podcast or I see a billboard or, you know, I'm out and about and I just happen to see something. I think I, I kind of have a little um, photo file <laughs> that I'll take pictures. If it's super creative, because you can always repurpose, don't steal, repurpose somebody else's creativity in your own marketing and put it into an, in, you know, into an email. And there are huge corporations out there that spend thousands and thousands of dollars to hire the best copywriters on the planet. And um, even they get it wrong sometimes, but usually they have pretty good ideas that you can just make your own and really step up your writing ability if you if you struggle with that if it's not something you're not naturally creative or you're not naturally able to come up with your own stuff just borrow some ideas and try them on and test mm -hmm. yeah in terms of um you know welcoming people to your email list there's you know welcome sequence is uh is a thing obviously how do you feel about that and how do you approach that um, so I, because I'm certified by Donald Miller and StoryBrand, I have a particular way that I create that welcome series. Mm -hmm. And I think what I find, um, most often is that when you get a welcome series, it's immediately all about you and your business. And most people are not interested in you or your business. They're interested in solving a problem. And so if you can direct that welcome series with first the delivery of whatever you promise them, whatever the lead generation is, and then really kind of dive into a way that that resource helps them address just even a tiny piece of that problem, you're going to have them hooked a little bit more. So then when your next email comes, if you continue to talk about not only that problem, but how you've helped other people solve that problem, they're going to keep coming back again because you're just giving them more ammunition to realize that there is a solution for the problem that they're having and that quite possibly you could be the person to help them solve it. More often than not, what welcome sequences do is, Hey, here's the free stuff here buy my stuff. There's no, like there's nothing in between. And we live in this world where we have a lot of instant gratification solutions and what's lost in the translation is the building of relationships and the building of trust. And everybody knows, or they have heard if they don't know is that it takes no like and trust for people to purchase from you. And the more of an investment that you are asking them to make in your product or service, whatever that is, the higher level of trust that is required. So if you have somebody sign up for a lead magnet and then you're trying to push them into a $5,000 product in two emails, that's not going to work. 
And in fact, you're probably going to make them mad and they're going to unsubscribe. So in that welcome email series, I'm not saying don't sell. I'm just saying give the relationship time to develop, earn the trust, earn the right to be in their inbox. And more importantly, um, rather than trying to push them to a sales page, push them to a conversation mm-hmm. and what that looks like for the for the next step in your business. And of course, that's all going to depend on what your business model is and where you are in your business. You know, there are people that we both know that have multi-million dollar businesses and they're probably not going to have the emails that say, hey, schedule a call with me because they don't have that kind of time. Yeah. Um, but chances are they still wouldn't send that kind of email sequence in those first welcome series. Like if we were to go back and read it, read a welcome series, it's probably directed then to another resource or another way to learn more. And then that will move people through the cycle. Yeah. It's a lot about just providing value. Those mm-hmm. first kind of emails, obviously. Yes. Uh, so moving away from welcome sequence, nurture sequence, we've gone through all that. Now we're kind of approaching to, we're getting to launch. So what does that look like? Because obviously that could be, you know, a whole bunch of emails and it can be uh, not so much, uh, depending on the person who is behind the wheel. Right. And it also depends on the product. Um, I think if you're selling a $27 product, you don't need to have an email series that's 30 emails long. And I get um, one of the questions I often get, especially in the launch period, is I don't want to send too many emails. Exactly. And I think what's really funny is that we, we as business owners, we have this little facade that everyone's looking for every one of our emails and they're going to read every single one of our emails. And I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning and my email inbox since last night, I had like 97 new emails. Okay. And most of the, that's not me, but but I get the, I get the point. Yeah. Most of the time you're just like, that's so overwhelming. Most Mm -hmm. of these are going into the garbage. And so I think there is a fine balance of too many emails and not enough emails. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that you can do that is really successful in those launch emails is to give people the opportunity to opt out of the launch sequence at the very beginning. And I don't think enough people do this. Oh, no, Um, not even the biggest names do this. No. And if you give people that opportunity to just simply say, hey, you can receive all of my emails if you're not interested in blah, 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 launch emails, basically click mm-hmm. this link and then just immediately unsubscribing them from that sequence is going to save you a lot of headache. Yeah. Most email service providers give you that option. If you don't know how to do that, that's, I don't know if that's something you do. That's definitely something I can help with. Um, yeah. But that would be the first thing. And then yeah. the next thing is, if you have the capability because you have tagged your subscribers and you know their interest area and where they are on their buying journey is to create emails that talk to them and where they are. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, I know that's more work up front, but it also will have a higher conversion level because you're meeting people where they are, not expecting them to be where you are. And there are people that do this really, really well in um, the coaching and consulting and online course space. And there are people that don't. And when you take the time and you, if you're brand new to business, you may not have those tags set up yet, but please do it right away. 
Um, because when you can create those emails and they are specifically in the person's head, because you have understood where they are and where they're coming from and how you can help them, you're going to have them not only read and open more emails because they're going to be like, hmm, what does Ken have to say today? Oh my gosh, yesterday's was a killer. Mm-hmm. But they're going to go on that journey and go, okay, he is saying all the right things. He's pushing all the right buttons and he's telling me all the right things. I can't imagine how great what he's got, his, you know, what's in his course is going to be if this is what it's been to lead up to it. Um, so there's a fine balance. Like you don't want to overkill your emails, but I think just the other thing that stops entrepreneurs is that they don't send enough emails. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you're thinking, Oh, I don't want to send too many emails. You're probably not sending too many emails anyway. So you're good right. to go. <laughs> yeah. And um, not giving people enough information or warm up prior to purchase. Because I think what I've seen also is like with newer and um, newer meaning, you know, zero to five years, especially in that online course business, if they're not, um, they'll go from like one or two emails and then that's it. They're like, Oh, nobody bought that sucked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, probably nobody read like the first email. And then by the second email you're asking them to buy. And, and so it is a fine balance and I don't have a magic number. I, I would yeah. say you need, to test your audience, you need to see what things are going to work. And then if you have, you know, the, the ability to do A-B testing on not only your email content, but your email headlines, that's going to get you further faster. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like you probably need no less than five to seven emails for your launch. Um, and then, you know, depending on how well you know your audience, how vetted they are before they get there. And how vetted your product is could extend that even further. Mm -hmm. And also, I think a lot of people are super scared of people unsubscribing. It's like, oh, no, they unsubscribe. What is wrong with my content or my emails? But at the same time, it's kind of like a good riddance because they probably would not have bought from you anyway since they are unsubscribing. Because if they really were, they'd probably stick around and just, you know, regularly check your email yeah um i celebrate unsubscribes because (laughs) i i do because it's making room for the right people to show up Mm -hmm. and i think people do they get afraid they're like oh you know they i lost five people this week you're correct like those five people probably wouldn't have bought from you anyway but i also think there's a lot of fear around vanity numbers Mm -hmm. That, you know, you have to have 5,000 or 10,000 people on your list in order to make really good money. And that's not the case. Like you could have one to 300 people on your list and be making seven figures easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, alleviating that fear, it's kind of like on social media, like everybody thinks you need to have thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. of followers. But if you have a couple, you know, seven, eight, 900 followers and they're actually engaged with what you do and they're talking back to you, imagine that in a room. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. being in a room with 900 people. My house would be jam-packed. I mean, <laughs> that many people I mean if you really step back and think about it that way, it's a little bit scary. You're like, oh, there's 900 people in here listening to me. That, that's where we need to be in our, in our mentality. And I think a lot of times we look at the Jasmine stars and the Amy Porterfields and the James Wedmores and we think they have 
hundreds of thousands of followers and hundreds of thousands of people on their email list. Well, one, they've been doing this a long darn time. And number two, if you were to ask them, if you sat down in a room with them and said, hey, did it start out that way? They would be, they would laugh you out the door because nobody starts there. It all happens over time. And I'm sure you run into that with people when you're working with them on the launch series is they just think they're going to immediately launch and have a $10 million launch. And you're like, okay, pumpkin, let's have a heart to heart because as a reality check. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's more common in terms of launches to have uh, zero sales launches or, you know, failed launches in that sense than having that six-figure launch. Yeah. I mean, that rarely, I mean, there's always an exception, but rarely happens when you're launching for the first, second time. You know, you have to still build out that launch and build that, prepare your audience for the launch and all of that stuff. So there's kind of all all this kind of stuff that goes into it. And the same is with the email as well. It's no different. Well, I I attribute it. So there's so much media out there that's like make six figures in six days and you know it's just so ludicrous and i think about like the simple things we learned growing up like riding a bike Mm -hmm. did you hop on your first bicycle and ride a 10k race in the first week absolutely not (laughs) like you were lucky to go four houses down and come back yeah. Yet we think that that's how businesses are built and that's how email lists are built and that's how, you know, life goes forward. But I, I had to laugh. I had um, somebody come to me the other day and they're like, oh, I've been doing this for 18 months and I'm still not a millionaire. And I was like, girl, <laughs> 18 months is nothing. <laughs> Drop Come in back the in 10 years, then we'll talk. <laughs> and I just, you know, I wanted to spell that illusion because it's just Mm -hmm. not like building a business takes time and it takes effort and it takes commitment. And I think a lot of people just want that quick fix. And that's not the reality of it. Like anything that you really want, it, it does take you putting in the work, doing the time and getting to that point. And it's easy to point fingers at these people that we see that are super successful because we are a you know, exposed to them so often. Mm-hmm. But if you walk the journey of where they started from, like they've been doing this day in and day out for year after year after year. And it's not that not everybody could get there, but you have to be willing to put in the effort and the time and the commitment that they have at the level they have in order to get there. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, you know, James Webmore that we both know is. He it took him fifteen years to get to multi seven million figure business. You know, it's it's not something that happened overnight. It might yeah. look like it sometimes, but yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, I love his his story. He's probably one of my favorite success stories because mm-hmm. he is so open and honest about like the trials and tribulations and things that he has gone through. And one of the things that he says that I think is so, there's a couple things, but one that's so powerful is like, you could be one decision away from getting to that goal. Mm -hmm. And it could be just one thing that you need to do a little bit different or tweak a little bit different. 
that will get you to that level. But focusing on like all of this exterior nonsense of vanity metrics and how many people have liked my post today and blah, 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 that takes you away from the focus of that one specific thing that could actually move you to the next level and the next level and the next level. And so, you know, if if you take anything away from this show today, it's that focus on where you want to go and put your energy there and just know that your success is inevitable, but you got to focus and take the steps to move forward and do the work. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's get back into email marketing because I have a couple <laughs> more questions. <laughs> um, so when we've done the launch and you kind of wrapping up, everything is done, you still have some opportunities to either make some more revenue or to get some feedback or, you know, just, yeah, you have still some opportunities. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, absolutely. And so some of the things that I have, um, seen done and that I have done with clients, I have not, um, well, I should say I have tried, I've dabbled in that, but more often than not, I've been doing it with clients, but is to go back to people that have really engaged because your metrics, your email metrics are like a gold mine and they will tell you all kinds of things about what were, what was hitting, what was not hitting you. You can actually go back and see the people that clicked on the majority of those emails that did not buy. And, um, go back to those people in a couple of weeks and just say, Hey, um, you were really interested in this, this product, this, um, program, whatever it is that you're offering. So-and-so joined the program two weeks ago, and this is the results that they're already seeing. I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, we don't normally do that. Like, however you want to phrase it. If you nor- normally don't open the program, don't, you know, tell fibs, but just say we're, we have a special time frame that we're opening it up for people that showed a lot of interest previously, because we want you to succeed too, like mm-hmm. Maria, for example, and putting a limiter on that for sure. Um, because limiters create urgency and they create action. But it does, it does offer um, the opportunity for you to not only open up the previous program if you want to enroll with them in that or even move them into a different service offering. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, for example, like somebody may look at a online program or a group program and they're just like, no, I don't think that's going to work for me because I need more help. Mm-hmm. But then we forget, oh, by the way, we have a one-on-one program that would be perfect for you. Exactly, And so really knowing what your offers are and then being able to communicate that. Um, and then last but not least, it's a great time for feedback. Like I love to send, and it's amazing how many people will actually fill it out, but a survey, mm-hmm. Hey, what was your experience? Why didn't you join? Or why did, you know, what kept you from joining? However you want to do it. And it can be super short, but people will, and if you don't want to do a survey form, you can just say hit reply. It's going to depend on, you know, how big your business is and how much time you have to, to access those. I find the hit replies versus the survey buttons do get better responses because people just hit reply. It's easier. Yeah. But if you can't manage that or your team doesn't have access to the inbox to do that for you, that could be a little bit more tricky. Um, but it's a great opportunity to get feedback on not only the program and why people didn't buy, but also like what, 
they liked about the launch, what they didn't like about the launch, what was missing, what you did well, all of those sorts of things. So that when you sit down with your team and hopefully debrief your launch, um, you can take some of those things into consideration. And then also, um, it never hurts to reach out to them and say, hey, we'll be launching this again in three months or whatever. Is it something that, you know, you would want us to, to contact you about then? Or, you know, I don't know how exactly you would want to phrase that. But because it may just be that one little lever that's going to push mm-hmm. them over the edge to purchasing. Yeah. And I would add to that that sometimes people would wait maybe two, three, four, five launches until they actually feel ready to get into your program or personal yeah. membership. Uh, it doesn't always happen on that first try. So keep that in mind as well as you're launching because you just want to continue doing what you did. Yeah, that's and, an excellent you know, point. Mm-hmm. So yep. don't give up, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and but, that, and but that's the way it is with business. You know, regardless, don't give up because um, yeah. that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that people don't see the results, and now and then it's like, yeah, well, this is not working, so screw it. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what most entrepreneurs do. Yeah. That didn't work. I'm going to do something else versus like, let's just try it again. Let's mm-hmm. do it better this time. Yeah, have something to compare the data with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like we didn't get a chance to go through in terms of the email marketing or anything else that you want to mention? No, um, I just, I really want to encourage people to utilize email marketing as a way to not only promote what they're doing, but to just really start conversations. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you can create a conversation and have back and forth dialogue, you are immediately building trust, especially if you are the person that responds to those emails versus a team member. And I know that's not possible in everybody's business, but the more time you can make for that, the higher the likelihood that that person will buy from you in the future. Mm-hmm. And so email marketing is a great opportunity for you to build relationships. I, you know, I'm a fan of social media. I think it has its place, but with all of the changes and modifications happening in that world, and they will continue to happen you got to have a safe playground. And to me, that's your website and email marketing. And if you can get people there and they can learn more about who you are and what you do and start to build conversation with you, you're going to have better numbers for every launch, for every new program you put out there. Mm -hmm. And um, even for getting out into the world, like on podcasts or stages or whatever that, that looks like is, that's going to help build your reputation because you become consistent, you become reliable and people know where to find you. Yeah. And I also would mention that with the email list, you can actually download that list and take it with you to another platform. If that's something, I mean, if the platform were to shut down versus, you know, social media platform shutting down, well then bye-bye, it's gone. But email list is something that you can actually pull out and take to the next platform and, still continue to have a business. So yeah, it's kind of important. Yeah. Well, and one note on that is like, right. I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. That's kind of my platform of choice. Um, And they're working really hard to make lead generation an opportunity for businesses. But what Mm -hmm. they don't tell you is that they don't want you to download that information. 
and put it into your own email list. And so social media platforms are in the business of keeping people on their platform. And so the quicker you can get people off the platform and either to your website or on your email list, the better it's going to be for you. And it, I like social media to an extent. And then I think there's some value there and you can meet new people and be exposed but all that. But ultimately you need to get them over on your list so that you have the, the control back and not at the mercy of Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, all of the company mm-hmm. in charge. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, if people want to reach out to you, work with you and something like that, um, how can I do that? So you can find me on my website. I have all of the links and everything is pretty much alisaconner.com. It's a Lisa, A L I S A C O N N E R.com. And, um, I'm over on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect, just look me up over there and send me a request and I will connect with you then. All right. I'll link up the website and your profile to LinkedIn in the show notes. Click on. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise about email marketing. I really appreciate that. Well, thanks so much for having me. This has been great. It's been great getting to know you a little bit better. And uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who was listening in this week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Now, if you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you left a review over on iTunes. And secondly, head on over to Instagram and connect with me at Ken Westgar. That's K-E-N-W-E-S-T-G-A-A-R-D. And drop me a DM and tell me all about your launch. And I'll catch you in the next episode.